morning. Amen? Amen. All right, I want you to go to the book of Philippians, chapter number four. The book of Philippians, chapter number four. Josiah, if you will start my inconsequential timer, just for my own benefit of saying I had one. Um, all right, Philippians chapter four. As you're getting there, I want to just give you a little bit of understanding of where we're going. First of all, the book of Philippians is written by a man that most of you know of, the Apostle Paul. Paul is in prison in Rome, and he is writing to the church at Philippi. Back in this era, uh, you didn't have multiple churches on every street corner like we have today. You had a city, you planted a church there. And so if we were to superimpose that sort of culture onto our culture today, he would be writing to the church of Oak Ridge or to the church of Knoxville, so on and so forth. That's not a bad thing that it's different. It's just different. We're not upset about it. We're not going to complain about it. In fact, I'm actually grateful for different churches and different denominations that have different styles and different traditions because that means that even though we may not always be together, we can worship the way we want to worship and not be in conflict with our brothers at another church that may worship differently because we're still one in Christ. We're still batting for the same team. Amen? So when people come up to me and they say, oh, I don't like different denominations, I understand the heart that you're coming from, but stop listening to the, the lies of the world and start listening to the word of God and it'll change your opinion. So Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Um, if you remember, last week we were in Acts chapter 16, Paul was in Philippi. That was many years earlier. He got arrested in Philippi. Uh, the earthquake occurs, him and Silas get out of jail and uh, the Roman guard is actually saved there. And so Philippi is, um, is a place that Paul loves. And so he's writing many years later to this church from a Roman prison. You guys following me so far? Pages. All right, Paige, I'll just talk to you, okay? All right, all right, yeah. Uh, so the church at Philippi is known for two primary things. The very first thing that they're known for is their extreme poverty. The church at Philippi is known for being a very poor church. How would you like for that to be what people know about you? That would be great, wouldn't it? Nope, it wouldn't be. Uh, they are known for being a very poor church. I just said earlier, Paul and Silas planted this church there many years earlier. Um, and they are known as a church that is enduring and even thriving amidst extreme persecution in extreme poverty. Now, the book of Philippians is known as the joy book. That's the book where we read all about joy. Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16-ish times throughout his letter to the Philippians. There's only four chapters in it. You could read the book in 10 minutes just sitting there. And you, some of you might need to do that while I'm preaching. It might be better. I don't know. But um, So they're known for their poverty. The second thing the church at Philippi is very much known for is their generosity. Which is so paradoxical, right? They are known for being poor, but they are also known for being generous. Because often those with the greatest needs are the most generous because they understand that God is my source. And so they also understand I'm not going to become poor by being generous. Which is in direct contradiction to the ways of this world. That says if you don't have a lot, then you better keep it all so you can have what you have. But Jesus says this, if somebody wants to save their life, or rather, he says, if you try to keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. And so we can superimpose that train of thought to um, the idea that those without much should be the most generous or can be the most generous. And so, so there's this lie, though, that we believe that, that this story of the Philippians directly contradicts. And this lie that we often believe is one day 
when I have more, I'll give more. One day when I have more time, I'll give more time. See, it ain't got to just be about money. One day when, when I get this done and I have more calendar space, to, then I'll do this. Or one day when, when I have more money, when I get my house paid off, or when I get my car paid off, or when I get this raise, then I'll be more generous. Then I'll start giving to missions. Then I'll start tithing. But that, my friend, is just not reality. And the f- church at Philippi proves this to us, that you don't need to have more to give more. You just need to be obedient and generous with what you do have. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. This is what Paul says in chapter 4, verse 15. He says, as you know, you Philippians, you were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. He says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want, to re- I want you to receive a gift for your kindness. Paul says this in verse 18. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Now, I want you to, I want you to know uh, something about this verse in, the, in this passage of Scripture. There's another verse that most of you, if not all of you, are very well aware of in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Most of you can quote it. Maybe you can't quote it necessarily because you're so familiar with the Bible, but you can quote it because you've seen it on Tim Tebow's Eyes Black or somebody, Steph Curry's written it on his sneakers or something like that. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength, right? But how many of you are biblically literate enough to know that that does not mean that me at five foot seven with no athletic ability whatsoever can dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's just go back and read it. This is what he says in verse 11. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Hey, come on, somebody. That's good preaching. I've learned to be content. A prayer that I pray, I'm not saying that I have arrived yet, but one day in the name of Jesus, it might even be when I see him face to face, I will arrive. But I pray, Lord, almost every day, help me to be content with everything in my life except for my relationship with you. I pray it in faith, okay? He says, I've learned to be content. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned that the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It sounds a lot different than when it's talking about scoring touchdowns, right? Because Paul's in prison right now in Rome. He wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. Instead, he gets to Rome, put in prison, and all he can do is pick up a pen. Okay. So he says, at the moment, I've got everything I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. That's an important sentence right there because that shows to us how that anything that we offer to someone in the name of the Lord generously is, is, as, we, is, is as if we are giving it to the Lord, okay? So he says, they're a sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we thank God for his word? I was so excited to start preaching, I forgot to get y'all to stand for the word. But that's okay, we'll let it slide this time. Let's go in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, God, that over the next few moments, 
that you help me to preach, Lord, as a humble servant, nothing more, nothing less. God, to be surrendered to you, to say what you would have me say, and then to get out of the way so you can do what only you can do. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had to title this message, I would title it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. But, everybody say but. If you're like most people in the world today in 2023, uh, living in a recession slash not recession, whatever, uh, money, money might be tight. Everything is more expensive than it's ever been. Uh, everything costs more. Every business that I have gone to in the last three months asks for tips. I'm talking like getting my oil changed. I, you have the option to leave a tip. Like, everything has an option to leave a tip these days. You might be a single parent. You might be living on some sort of a limited income. You've, you've got kids at home. You may have other family living in your home. You, you might be experiencing this phenomenon that, that we only know how to describe as there is more month than there is money. Right? Um, your kids need braces. You, you got medical bills. You got insurance bills to pay so that you can have the procedure where you still have to pay part of the bill for the procedure. Does anybody feel what I'm saying, or am I just preaching to myself today? Maybe, maybe you're even paying off debt, like on something that you know you shouldn't have bought, but you bought it, and now, seven years later, you're still carrying that, that payment, right? I don't know about you, but I would say for most of us in this room, whatever your current income level, you would probably say, if you're being honest, I could... I could handle more. I don't, I don't think there's anyone in this room, regardless of what you make every week or every month or every year, if I said, hey, let's, let's give you 10% more, that you'd be like, oh, I, just, I don't need that. I just don't know what I'd do with that. Just wouldn't have anything at all to spend it on. It would just sit there and collect dust. I imagine most of us in the room, if I said, here, here's some more, you would say, thank you very much. And before you walked out of the room, you would know exactly where that money was going to go. It might be something you need, it might be something you want, it might be a little bit of both, but one way or the other, you would know what you were going to spend that on. I, I think that in the room today, we would all say, hey, I could use a little more. And I want to tell you that the Bible is full of stories, and it is, of people who were struggling, struggling to make ends meet, struggling to get by, but God always came through for them. And Paul says it like this. And this same God who took care of them, who took care of Elijah, who took care of Elisha, who took care of the widow, who took care of the children of Israel, who took care of David, who took care of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, who took care of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that same God who took care of them will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Come on, I feel like that's worth a praise right there. The same God who fed thousands in the wilderness with just a few fish and some bread. The same God who multiplied the widow's oil. The same God who sent manna from heaven and water from a rock. That same God is still alive. He's still well. He's still on the throne. He's still active. And he is still taking care of his people. Now, I, I believe, I really believe that not only does God provide for his children, but I believe scripture tells us and demonstrates for us that God delights in taking care of his children. Come on, you, you with kids or grandkids especially, 
You know how much joy it brings to you when you give your children a gift, especially a gift that they weren't asking for and weren't expecting. Come on, like there's just something beautiful about that, right? And how much more, Jesus says, if you being sinful parents want to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father rejoice in giving good gifts to his children? Come on, one more time, he's a good father. As we dive into this, it's important, though, to recognize that God promises to meet our needs, but he doesn't necessarily promise to always meet our desires, okay? I want you, I want you to hear that. So I'm going to talk about some principles of God's provision, some principles of God's provisions. And I'll, I'll be fast-ish, but I won't make any promises. Number one, this is cliche, but let's just go ahead and make up our minds to embrace the cliche. Where God, God guides, God provides. Let me say that again without messing it up. Where God guides, God provides. In Isaiah, as they are approaching a time of exile, this is the word of the Lord through Isaiah. He says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Again, God says he'll give us our needs, but nowhere in Scripture does it promise us that God will give us our desires. Now, it does say, and I preached on this last week in Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, and, and so, in other words, let me say this. If the Lord isn't your desire, then that doesn't mean that the desires of your heart are going to be met. But when, the, when your delight is in the Lord, then he is the desire of your heart. And so, so, when your delight is the Lord, you go where he goes, you follow where he leads, and his provision will always find you there. In Genesis, Abraham wanted a son. Him and Sarah, they prayed, they waited, they prayed, they waited, they prayed, they waited. Anybody been in that boat before? And they prayed and they waited some more. And God finally fulfills this deep desire of Abraham and Sarah. And then one day, when, when Isaac, their son of promise, was probably a young teenager, God speaks to Abraham. Now, how many of you have prayed recently, Lord, give me a word. Speak to me, Lord. That's a great thing to pray, right? But how many of you understand that if you're really listening to God, the thing that he is saying is not always something that you are wanting to hear, right? Like, I'm serious. And I'll, I'll share you a story about myself and a little bit about that. But, but Abraham speaks to God and he says, Abraham, and I just imagine Abraham being like, oh, hey, God, I haven't heard from you in a while. It's good to hear from you. Last time we talked, you said I was going to have a son. Man, what good news you got for me today? God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love very much. Yeah, Isaac, yeah, 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 I love Isaac. He's my boy. I want you to kill him. That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And I'm going to be real with you. I got a lot of issues with that story. I don't really understand it, but it's in the Bible. And it doesn't matter if I understand it. It just matters that it's there. And it matters that I listen to it, read it, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me through it, right? Okay? But you got to understand that child sacrifice 4,000 years ago, when this is written and when this is talking about, is a very normal practice in the cultures in the world at that time. And so, so, so God speaks to Abraham, and he says, I want you to take your son, the son you love, the son of promise that I have given to you, and I want you to go to the mountain that I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice him as an offering to me. Now, it is not in the Bible, but I cannot help but believe that somewhere in Genesis chapter 22 that's not recorded in the actual Bible, 
Abraham was like, I'm not sure that's God talking. I don't, I don't, Sarah, those tacos we had last night, whoo, I tell you what, that was something else. I don't know, I don't know, it's not in there, I'm not trying to add to scripture, but that's how I read it, okay? But Abraham obeys, and him and Isaac set out the next morning, and they head up the mountain, and Isaac, you know, he's a good kid, you got to think, what? What's going on, Daddy? Hey, uh, we got the fire, we got the wood, we got the knife, we got the rope. Dad, uh, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham says, Abraham, in verse 8 of chapter 22 in Genesis, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them walked on together. They get to the top of the mountain. Isaac had carried the wood, foreshadowing when God would send his own son to carry his cross, which was actually our cross. Builds the fire, ties up his son, lays him on the altar, and begins the process of this sacrifice, which, while again it's not recorded in Scripture itself, had to have been tearing Abraham's heart out the entire time. But just before the knife makes contact with Isaac's skin, it says, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. (laughs) I was close. He said, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. Isaac, for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and beheld behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So, and Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of, a son, instead of his son, again foreshadowing how 2,000 years after this, God would send his son to die in our place to pay the debt that we owed for the sins that we committed. Come on, that's worth the praise right there. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And Abraham that day learned a new layer of God's identity that he is our provider, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. I want to tell you today that if you will pursue God's will, Can I just be real with you? It will not always be easy. In fact, I I would submit to you that it is usually harder than if you were pursuing your own will. But if you will pursue God's will, I promise you from his word and from my own experience and from the experience of others that I have seen the testimony of and heard the testimony of, that if you will pursue God's will, God's provision will follow. In 2017, Kristen and I were so blessed to become the pastors of this church, and that's a story that I want to tell again one day because so many of you are new, but the Lord's hand was all over that situation and that story, and I look back on it with a lot of joy. At the time, it wasn't a lot of joy, can I be real with you? But I look back on it now with a lot of joy because I see how God moved in such a miraculous way in my life and in the lives of many others. But something that I don't tell a whole lot from the platform anyway is that 
in December when we closed the books, financial books on the year, uh, and it, was, it was tough, if I can just be really honest with you. We didn't have a lot of money at all. Uh, we couldn't even afford a copy machine. There was a lot of things we couldn't afford. And, uh, but we closed the books, and every bill was paid. Uh, I think we might have been floating some checks still. I'm not sure. But every bill was paid. Every, every staff w- was taken care of. Everything was good. And we had all of $12 in the LifeHouse Church bank account as we ended the book. Hey, praise God, we were in the black, right? Yeah, $12. As I began reading uh, in my Bible year plan uh, in January, I had just finished the portion where Noah had walked off the ark. And God speaks to Noah, and he says, As long as the earth remains, there will be cold and hot. There will be seed time and harvest. And you know how I said we all want to hear from the Lord? But sometimes he speaks to us and we're like, that wasn't God. <laughs> and, and here's something else that has always happened to me. Maybe it's just me. I don't hear from the Lord when I want to hear from the Lord. Like God, like, God, speak to me, speak to me. And it's like radio silence. But then one day when I'm not even thinking about it, he shows up, Right? And a lot of times it's good. In fact, it's always good. It just doesn't look good to my human eyes, but in the spirit world, it's always good. And I hear the voice of the Lord say, Drew, you want a harvest, but you haven't planted a seed yet. I just read it. In Genesis chapter 12, as long as the earth remains, there will be cold and hot. There will be seed time and harvest time. Now, you don't know what that means, but I knew exactly what it meant in the moment the Lord spoke it to me. You see, when we had left our prior assignment and we had moved here, I began saving money. I began selling stuff. I began stockpiling cash because I knew that in my heart that it was just a matter of time before either this church would shut down or that the church would no longer be able to support me and my family. I got two little girls. I'm married. That there would be a time that we would no longer, the church would no longer be able to support us. And so I would need a, a cushion to give me some, some financial leeway for me to find another job or to find, an, if I can just be honest with you, to find another church. Because I didn't know. I knew the Lord brought us here. But apparently the faith that I had to know that God would bring us here wasn't quite strong enough to believe that God would keep me here, okay? But, but, but he showed up, okay? Can, can I just be human with you for a little bit. Yeah. And so I knew exactly what he meant. He, I, what he was telling me was that, that, that nest egg, that safety net that you've prepared for yourself, that's your seed. And you can't have a harvest if you eat your seed, if you hold on to your seed, if you refuse to plant your seed. And so I knew that the Lord was telling me to take that that I was keeping for myself and offer it to him. And give it to the church. And you might think, oh, well, if you give it to church, then that just means it's yours. That's not how it works, okay? I don't get, I don't get to just do that. So, so I come and I tell the church, I don't tell everything because I feel really nervous about the whole situation. But I tell the church, we're going to have a, a day. We're going to call it Seed Offering Sunday. And I believe it was the last Sunday in January of 2018. And so at the end of the service... Well, actually, for the first time in my entire life, I preached a message on giving. I hadn't preached a single message on giving since I'd been the pastor. And so that day, I preached my very first message ever, because I was a youth pastor before that. And I didn't really preach on it a whole lot. So I preached my very first message on giving. People come, and they give that day. And people, people gave. And there wasn't a lot of people in the church at that time. And, but everyone moved. Everyone gave something. And, and then I, I take the check that I have written for me was a lot of money for some of you. May not would have 
been, but for me, it was scary. I mean, my hand shook the whole time writing the check like that. I go to my wife. The, uh, uh, can I just tell the story a little bit more? I go to my wife, and I tell her, I'm like, I think God talked to, spoke to me, and he told me to do this. And I fully expect her to be like, that wasn't God. But she's like, oh, that was the Lord. And I'm like, dadgummit, that, that's not what I... I talked to my father-in-law, who I'm sure is going to be like, oh, that's very unwise, because if you do that, you might not be able to take care of my daughter and my grandchildren. But he says, oh, that's the Lord. I'm like, oh, dang, dang it. So I'm trying to find somebody to tell me this isn't God. Like, there's got to be somebody out there sinful enough to know that this isn't the Lord, right? But everybody I talk to about it, like, oh, I feel the Lord in that. I'm like, gum it. So I write the check. I put in the offering that day. Carlos is a treasurer at the time. He comes up to me after church. He's like, are you sure about this, man? And, and, and that's true? Yeah. And so, so we give that day. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, you'd think that I felt relief. I was sick, if I can just be honest with you. Now, I'm going to read in a moment where Paul says to give, give cheerfully. I'm not, I wasn't uncheerful, but I was somewhere. I was cheerful in faith. Let's just say it like that. And so anyway, I give that that day, and then it was just like God began to open up a gate of blessing on our church. I think part of it was my obedience. I think part of it was just everyone else is responding as well. Attendance began to increase. Giving began to increase. Leaders began to step up. People from other parts of the state or even the country started to move here. And I would say, like, hey, what brought you here? And I don't know. The Lord did. And so they showed up. And bless God, that's still happening today. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had a clogged toilet in the front. Actually, two clogged toilets, right? Anybody remember that? You go back to the back, John Falls in the back there is like, mm-mm, can't poop here. <laughs> so everybody had to walk around, you know. And, and so we called a plumber because Matt was out of town, and I, that's, not my, that's not my skill set. We call, if I'm lying, I'm dying, all right? So we call a plumber, and the plumber comes, and praise God, he unclogs the toilet, and he charges us $250, which is like, praise God, I'll break that check all day long. But can I tell you, six years ago, $250 for a plumber might as well have been $25,000. I mean, it was unfathomable for us to pay that six years ago. So right now we have another situation in this property behind us where our gym building is and the way the water drains from the gutters and goes under the parking lot is clogged and it's actually causing water damage in our building. It's causing damage to the foundation. And so we're going to have to have someone come in and use an excavator and, and dig up the lines and lay new lines and all that kind of stuff and have it repaved. And it's going to cost us $16,000 at least. That's, the, that's where we're starting, right? And can I just tell you, like, I, want, I want you to understand something. I'm preaching on money today, but I'm not up here raising funds. I don't have to raise funds because you've been faithful. The Lord's been blessing us. Okay, I don't have to do that. So I'm not coming to you today to raise money for that because we're already, we, we can pay for it. Praise God, we can pay for it. I mean, if you want to give towards it, that's great. Just market drainage repair, Okay. Just put the on the envelope, do it online. That's great. I like, it'll, it'll, it'll go towards that. But $16,000 for that. By the way, that's a lot of money still. But six years ago, it could have been $16 million. Like, it wouldn't have mattered. I'm just so thankful that the Lord has continued to bless us. And I know that he is going to continue to bless us even more. Amen. Because when God directs your steps and you are obedient to that direction, he always puts provision in your path. 
He always puts provision in your path. Number two, principle of, of, of giving and principle of provision. God miraculously multiplies what we give. God miraculously multiplies what we give. Sometimes God does it all. Sometimes, though, probably even most of the time, God invites us to be part of the miracle. When, when did God multiply the fish and the bread when the 5,000, not including women and children, were fed? When the disciples b- began to give it away. When did God multiply the widow's oil in 2 Kings? When she began to pour it out. When did, when did Peter start walking on water? When he got out of a perfectly good boat, right? And started walking on water. That's, that's the thing about faith. It doesn't activate until you move in it. That's the thing about miracles. They don't start, you don't get to experience the miracle until you put yourself in a position where you have to experience a miracle. When did Abraham become the father of nations? It's when he was willing to offer his son. Now, some, some would like to argue with me and say, oh, you're just, you're preaching a prosperity gospel. And, and I would say to you, you're wrong. I'm preaching a biblical gospel. I'm preaching the Bible. And, and, and I would even go further to say to you, let's just go ahead and call this prosperity gospel. And let me ask you this. Would you rather me preach to you a poverty gospel? Is that what you want? And, and, and so I'm not telling you, I want you to hear me. I'm not telling you today that if you were to give $100 or whatever, that you're going to get 10000 later. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you today that if you will live in obedience, you will also walk in God's supernatural blessing and favor. Amen. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Listen, we're not up here today twisting arms. I'm not up here today telling you if you don't give, the bills aren't going to get paid. That's not happening. The reason why is because you've been faithful. You've been given. And praise God for your generosity. Praise God for your giving. Praise God for that. He's blessed it. Hopefully he's blessed you and he's multiplied it and he's using it. And so God said, or it says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives generously. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer. This is verse 10. And then bread to eat. And the same way he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I want to say that when you give, when you tithe, and listen, tithe's not a bad word. I want you to hear me on that. Uh, When we take up the offering, everybody, let me just tell you, we love to sing. We love to worship. We love to lift hands. But do you understand that when we give in the offering, that actually might be more of community worship than when we sing together? Because that's when we're giving something of ourselves. We're giving something that we have had to earn with blood, sweat, and sometimes tears, right? And we're saying, Lord, this is, and so can I tell you, can I just teach a little bit? You don't pay tithes. You don't even give tithes. You return a tithe because everything you have is already his. Everything that you have is already his. He's the one who's given it to you. So when I give my 10%, not when I tip, let me tell you, tipping's for your hairdresser. It's not for the Lord. And if I can just be really bold with you, I'll, I'll say this as well, that if you are a tipper, like I'm not, if, you're not, if you are a tipper, keep your money. Number one, we don't need it. We're fine. We don't need that. 
We don't need your leftovers because God ain't going to bless it anyway, and I don't want it if God ain't blessing it. Can you handle that? Can you handle truth? This is, this is, this is adult preaching right here. Okay, but it's also for kids too, and also for young men and women of God, because they've got to grow up understanding that that they need to tithe as well. God doesn't want your tips; He wants He 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 demands in His Word your tithe, ten percent of your income, your gross income. Don't don't give God what's left over after the government steals it from you. Okay, give give God. Yeah, come on, can I? Come on, I put on my big boy britches today. All right, they're not as skinny as the other ones I've got. Okay. That was good. You like that? That was good. I felt the Lord, and I don't care if you did or not. So, so we give God our tithe, right? And then we go above and beyond. Sometimes we give to missions. Sometimes we just give because we want to be a blessing. Sometimes we give to, to help prepare gutter drains. Sometimes we give to, to, for whatever the need may be. And when we do that, it's not about paying bills. It's not about improving the facility. It's not even about outreach. Can I just tell you that? It's about obedience. It's about worship. And it's about trust. It's being obedient to the Lord because God's commanded us to be givers. He's commanded us to be generous. And so we do so when when we give and when we turn our tithes and when we do so, when we're being generous to people, it's about worship because everything I have belongs to God. The, the breath in my lungs belongs to the Lord. The, the, strength in my, the strength in my body belongs to the Lord as well as the money in my bank account belongs to the Lord. The, the time in my calendar belongs to the Lord. So, so when I give, I'm being obedient. I'm being worshipful and I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting God that when I give my 10% that he can do more in me and for me with my 90% that's left over than I could with my 100% without his blessing on it. Come on, give the Lord praise. And what's so cool about this issue of tithing and giving, and by the way, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell in the entire New Testament. So don't, so don't start that nonsensical garbage about all that church does is talk about money because this is the first time I preached on giving in a year, just so you know. So if you're, is this your first time today? And you're like, all this church does talk about money. No, brother, you got to go back on Facebook. Go back to the podcast. You'll realize that ain't true. All right. You guys okay? God says, put me to the test. This is the only place in scripture where God says, test me and find out if I will not come through. He says this in Malachi verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I'll tell you this right now. Listen. If, you're, if you haven't been tithing, or maybe you're, you've been a tipper, here, here, listen, I'll make a deal with you. This is being recorded, so I can't take it back. Tithe for the next 90 days. Do the math. Go home. Figure out gross income and tithe for the next 90 days. Don't give God your leftovers. Give him your first fruits because God doesn't want leftovers. He won't, don't wait till after you've paid the mortgage, after you bought the new pair of shoes, after you've eaten out a whole bunch. Give him the first fruits. Give him the first 10%. Do it for the next 90 days. And if you come to me in 90 days and you say, Pastor Drew, I've tried it and I, do not, I, I haven't been blessed. I've been missing that money and I need it back. I'll give it back to you. And then you'll have a great Christmas fund to go buy presents for people that don't want them or don't need them. You okay? I'm great. Are you good? All right. God miraculously multiplies what we give. 
Number three, and I love this one. God wants you to be part of the miracle. God wants you to be part of the miracle. Paul goes on as he's writing to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 11. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. You know what the difference between the true prosperity gospel of the Bible and the fake prosperity gospel of preachers who want to buy jets is? Can I just be real with you? That they will tell you the reason why we give is so that we can get. If you will give today, I believe I speak a blessing over you. That you're going to walk out to your mailbox and there will be a check for $10,000. Makes me so mad. You know why it makes me mad? It because it convinces good men and women of God who want to serve the Lord that it's all fake and all a sham. And so when someone comes up here and tries to preach the truth, you're filled with suspicion because you've heard so much crap out there. Don't send me no emails about this. I will reject it. I will send it back to you and say, I don't care. It'll go straight to my junk mail. I ain't got time for that garbage. The difference between the false prosperity gospel and the true, because the gospel is about prospering. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Yes. Praise God. Jesus didn't come to preach a poverty gospel. The difference is the liars will tell you, you give so that you can get. But the word of God tells you, you give so that you can give. Jesus says it like this when he tells a, a few different parables. He says, if you will be faithful with little, then I will be able to trust you because I will know that you will be faithful with much. So that when you are faithful with what you have, so, so when you give your 10%, when you give to missions, when you go above and beyond uh, just what we are commanded, because that's the offering. See, the tithe, can I just, tithe is the bare minimum. Tithe is what God commands. The offering is what goes above and beyond. So when you do that, God, God, and I'm just, I'm kind of, this is what I, this is how I see it. God says, okay, I know I can trust him. I know I can trust her. Because when I bless her, she ain't going to go use that blessing to buy something she doesn't need. She's going to use that blessing to be a blessing. And that doesn't mean that we can't have stuff. That does, that's not what that's about, right? You understand? Hear my heart. So, when we continue to be faithful with what, what he's given us, he knows that we will continue to be faithful when he gives us increase. And he knows that he can trust us to be a conduit. And that's why Paul says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can go buy a brand new $100,000 bass boat. I, that's what I wanted to say. Can I be that real with you? You will be enriched in every way so that you can go buy a 2024 GMC AT4, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can go buy a new six. I, I can't say that one. That's, I'm in church. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Come on, how many of you know that real wealth is not about what you have, but what you can give away? And Paul says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God because you got to be part of their miracle. Lifehouse, because you have been faithful. We've been able to provide people with school supplies. We've been able to pay 
electricity and utility bills. We've been able to help people with rent. We've been able to provide food for families that have lost everything. We've been able to build dormitories in Africa for, for young men and young women who, who are trying to get educated and trying to learn the Bible to plant churches in Sudan and different places in Africa. We've been able to help with disaster relief all around the world from the Gulf Coast to Hawaii to Japan at different times because you have given. We've been able to buy washing machines for our friends in the Philippines. I, I, I put on Facebook one time, hey, our, our friends in the Philippines, missionaries that we support, they, their, their water tower got collapsed and they're in the jungle in the Philippines. They ain't got a water line bringing them fresh water. They got a, they got a tower that catches rainwater that runs to these different places and a storm had knocked it over and they needed $1,000. And if they couldn't replace it, then they literally would not have water to drink. I put on Facebook in our Lifehouse group, hey, Lifehouse, can you help us with this need? And within five minutes, we didn't just have enough money to just replace it. We had enough money to go above and beyond to help them buy something even better. But can I tell you too, like I got three missionaries in my inbox and in my email who have emailed me asking us to come alongside them and to give them monthly support. And, and if I can just be honest, I have yet to be able to respond to them with a yes. I'm, I'm not telling them no, I'm just waiting until I can tell them yes. Because I believe in Jesus' name that there's at least three people in here who say, I'll, I'll start supporting missions every month. I believe there's more than three. I believe there's more than three. We've been able to help church planners all over East Tennessee. And because you give, you enable this church and the people of this church on a daily basis through various ways to show the world that they are loved and highly valued. So today, if you, if you haven't been tithing, I encourage you to start. Not because we need your money, but because you want to walk in God's blessings. If you haven't been supporting missions, hey, today is the day to start. If, if, if you want to be generous, like, and I'm not talking about to the church, I'm talking about outside of the church. But, but you've always felt like you haven't had enough. I want to encourage you, don't wait until you feel like you've got enough to give. Start giving now. And you will find out that as you plant your seed, God will start blessing you in return. That's, that is the truth. That is the Bible truth. That is my lived experience truth. I'm wrapping this up. You guys okay? Fear asks, many of us struggle with this, and I sure enough struggled with this back in 2018. Fear asks, what if I run out? You ever been there? But faith asks, what do I have to give? Fear says, I don't have enough. But faith says, my God is more than enough. Fear says, I can't afford to tithe, but faith says, 90% with God's blessing on it goes further than 100% without it. And I believe because his word says it and he will not be shown to be a liar that God will meet your every need according to his riches and glory. Sometimes he will do it without you. Sometimes he will do it through you. Amen. But the reason that we get to be givers and understand I use the word get to be givers not have to, not need to be, but get to be. It's because God himself first gave to us when he gave his one and only son so that whosoever would believe in him 
Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And then we're going to move into baptisms and we're going to shout and we're going to celebrate. But before that, I want to ask you today in the house, if you have yet to truly and fully give your life to the one who has given his life for you, Jesus. Maybe you made a commitment at some earlier point in your life, but you have walked away from it and you would say, it's time to recommit myself to Christ. You want to give your life to him. If that's you, if that's your prayer, would you just, right where you're seated, will you lift your hand high in the air so I can pray for you right where you are? Is there anybody in the house today? I see you. I see you, sweetie. Pastor, I want to give my life fully to the Lord. I've been holding back. I've been holding something back, but today I want to fully give my life to Him. Is there anybody else? I see you, buddy. I see you. There's two. Is there any more? I see you. I see you, buddy. I got to meet you today. I'm praying for you, friend. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will help this young woman and these two young men to fully and totally lay down all that they are as they pick up all that you have said that they are. That they would walk in the fullness of God. That they would walk in the fullness of your blessings as they fully commit themselves to Jesus. Church, can we celebrate these three individuals? Two more things I want to know so I can pray with you about. If you just would be honest enough to say in the house today, I need, I need the Lord to provide something for me. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's something to do with your health. But just right where you are, if you would say, I need the Lord to provide something miraculously for me, would you lift your hand high in the air? And let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, let's look around. Let's see who we're praying for. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every one of these men and women. God, whether it's money, whether it's a job, whether it's peace, whether it's uh, something to do with health or whatever it may be, Lord, you are our Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord God, our provider. Lord, our source is not man. Our source is not a bank account. Our source is not even medicine. Lord, you are our source. You use all those things, and we thank you for them. But at the end of it all, God, you are the one that we look to for our provision. Lord, I pray for miracles. Lord, not to be a rare occurrence, but God, to be as something that we experience every day of our lives. God, that we would walk in your fullness, that we would walk in the miraculous, Lord, that we would experience your goodness in everything that we do and everything that we say. In Jesus' name I pray. And one last thing I want to ask you for. If you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I want the Lord to help me to live a generous life. I'm not talking about just giving to the church, but I'm talking about living a generous life the way Jesus has called us to all live. Would you raise your hand high in the air? Come on, yeah, yeah. I want to live a generous life. Father, help us, Lord. Help us to lay ourselves down at your feet. God, to humble ourselves, to depend on you, to know that you are our source in all things, in all ways, in all areas, at all times. God, that whether it's uh, at a restaurant or at a grocery store or at a job or home or church or wherever it may be, that you will help us to hear your voice, to be surrendered to that voice, to follow you with obedience, and to live a generous life. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.